1: Before we get started with tonight's episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Rotoballer.com, proud sponsor of the show. Do my written content over at Rotoballer.com, and this podcast is a podcast, the part of the Rotoballer radio network, so I want to let you know that uh, football season quickly approaching with you guys. Win big in 2021 with Rotoballer.com's NFL premium pass. Are you ready to dominate your season-long in DFS leagues? RotoBallers NFL premium pass and draft kit includes rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off any premium pass. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio, sign up today, and start rotoballin like a boss. And welcome back everybody to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode four thirteen. Have a returning guest to the show, a good guy, a great guest, a guy I like to talk to on and off the air. You can find his work at Baseball Prospectus. He's got uh, at jag underscore fantasy for you, best ball folks out there, and at drhoa
2: three for all your injury news and concerns. Derek Rhodes, how are we doing, my friend? I am doing well, Bubba. Have you have you settled back in from from Arizona? Are you still basking in the glow that was first pitch? I'll be honest, like when I see people tweet out
1: clips from games, I just want to be back there so bad because it was, it was, I know people think it's like we're glorified, like over glorifying things, but just to be able to turn off your brain and just appreciate baseball and just talk baseball basically 24 seven. It's a pretty fun thing when you love baseball.
2: <laughs> when I did it in tw- the fall of 2019, it felt like I just, it made it so much easier to slip into baseball prep. Like I just, I just felt like I got a dump of information and then it was like i just kind of slid right into the prep for the year it, may, it i don't know it, it seemed like so much easier and now i feel like i'm i didn't get to go this year and so i feel like i'm I, like, it's like it's a hurdle that i'm having to jump through to, to yeah. get started yeah i'm dragging right now but the
1: one thing that conference did do is i like i had my phone out and i took like notes on a bunch of things i want to try to yep. start digging into so the ball got rolling let's put it that way yeah it's just kind of on an uphill trajectory at the moment <laughs> <laughs> but eventually it's going to hit the peak and come on down but uh, um, it is a, it's a great thing and like we've said before like anybody that can go i highly recommend it i know it's not for everybody it's you know there's price points there's all kinds of things yeah. but it's awesome like it's, it's if you're a baseball fan of fantasy but even if you're not even fantasy just baseball, No, just baseball fantasy. yeah i agree it's, it's awesome so highly recommend checking that out but um we're gonna talk some injuries like i said we're gonna talk some best ball uh before we get into all that why don't you let everybody know because it's been a while yeah but no it has been a minute and last time i had you on you were not yet working at baseball perspective no. so I want not let everybody know what's going on
2: i think last time i was on i was just a guy as You're it were uh, so um yeah no so now i do um as as bubba said you can find me on the twitters uh i am uh, kind of two people at this point um, right now. I do injury stuff for um, baseball perspectives. I, I maintain their injury database. I also do a lot of visuals for them. Uh, I work with some great guys over there. Uh, some great folks, I should say. It's not just uh, not just the fellows. It's it's great all around. Um, and so. Uh, Some of the stuff that I was able to do in the past, kind of on my own, I now do over there. Um, Not necessarily the exact same thing, but a lot of the same type of tools. So like the injury tools that I kind of was probably talking about a year ago, there, uh, a lot of that stuff is over at baseball prospectus now. Um, So if you want to check that out, feel free. Um, I also will continue to pub best ball stuff because that is what I'm addicted to. And I cannot stop and you can't make me. Uh, And that uh, I'll be posting, you know, that kind of content over at, uh, uh over on the the Jag uh oh crap is it bad underscore I can't even remember <laughs> <Underscore> <laughs> I can't remember fantasy. my own my own second burner account. No uh Jag yeah. underscore fantasy. The reason I can't remember is because it went through like four iterations before I settled on one. Uh but Jag underscore fantasy is where I'll post like best ball specific stuff. So uh ADP and and trends and stuff like that. So yeah I'm looking forward to it because
1: it is best ball season even though some of us are <laughs> it is start, starting to like you've yep. got you're already so you said five yep. in so far. Yep. Yep. I, october a, is
2: best ball preseason november man. the season has started
1: yeah i told you i'm trying to hold off to like closer to thanksgiving but i'll probably bite eventually like yeah, I, I, I i went back i ran six leagues i might want to do a little more this year we'll see we gotta get NFC to at least year. 10 bubba yeah well I, well I I ran six but then i was in one with you okay. and some other ones i think i was yeah. in around 10 also this morning the nfbc opened That's up right. so we got best ball tens we have their best ball format you're gonna be a busy guy pretty soon i am i don't have
2: i haven't i was talking with jeff zimmerman today i haven't dusted off my uh best ball tens sheet so i'm gonna have to shake the dust off of that make sure that the formulas are every year you know things change and the formulas break so you gotta gotta readjust
1: yeah no that's something we'll definitely talk about um later on in the show but i want to kick things off with the injury stuff because in recent years, injuries just getting worse and worse. It seems like just crazier and crazier. You know, in 2020, a lot of it was COVID. A lot, like yeah. there's no, there's no
2: denying that. Well, and it was so short, right? So everything's yeah. just compacted into this two month window where it just felt like every day somebody was out. Yeah, it was wild. And then in 2021.
1: It seemed like there was still COVID stuff, but that was much more under control. It felt like maybe mm-hmm. because at least there's protocols in place. You know, if you're vaxxed, you weren't vaxxed. There's different like, right. times to come back. You weren't just automatically done for like 10 days. Like there was yeah. there was things that didn't crush you.
2: Per didn't se. feel as much chaos. It felt exactly. like 2020 was chaos. And 2021, while rough, the, the COVID stuff, it felt like you understood how it was going to play out. You understood what it meant and you could kind of plan from there. Um, so, yeah, I agree. It, it felt much worse in 2020.
1: Yeah, the COVID stuff,
2: at least. But as a whole, we know there was tons of injuries
1: in 2021, especially felt like Mm -hmm. earlier than later could be wrong. But um, how do you think like the year compared to other years injury wise? How did it kind of play out for us?
2: So I have these exact numbers handy, actually. Uh, this is something we just uh, pushed out over at Baseball Perspectives where you can compare the last four years. So for Perspectives. In 2020, now there's only two month season, but some guys went on the IL before the season. Like it was kind of a weird year. Some guys got hurt in that initial spring training before the season started and stuff like that. But there were 560 IL stints in 2020. 2021, it was almost double. Uh, there was 1183. Now compare 2021 to 2019 and 2018. There was almost 700 in each of those seasons. So it was a very big jump, and I think. You know, if, if you were a fantasy manager, you experienced it. You felt it. Every team was, met, you know, had to feel it in some way. Um, in to some extent it did. Yeah, we did see it really peak early. Like it was, it was, it was hamstrings. It was, um, you know, lots of arm soreness. Like it was all these things kind of hit early and they started to tail off. Uh, by the time we got to August and September, we were actually basically tailing the 2019, 2018 injuries. Like it was kind of like the, the number of guys getting hurt every week was about the same as 2019, 2018. So I think that's good. Now, to some extent that's just because a million people were on the 60 day. I am like, like, I
0: mean, like, you, like only you know, like, so many people.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like at some point it's like, well, the guys who are left, it's like, survived, you know, they just survived. Um, you know, and, and we did see almost all season long, there were more players on the IL than there were in previous seasons. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we can see some decline in that. Um, hamstrings were the were one of the biggest increase in injuries relative to like the other. So like, you know, if hamstrings were this is just example numbers, but if hamstrings were like 20 percent of the injuries in 2019, it was like, you know, almost double. You know, it was, it, or whatever. It was like more like 30, I guess it's like 50%, but it was, so it was definitely more hamstrings relative to the other injuries. Another injury we saw more of were hand injuries. Um, my only, I have a speculation. My only speculation is what we saw was maybe uh, because they were messing with the ball, they were me- messing with the grip that maybe there were just some more, you know, a little bit more in the blister category, a little bit more in the hit by pitch category, stuff like that, that just. Maybe it would have hit a different part and just happened to write up and I don't know, could just be a blip, but it was unusual. Um, And I think some of it was we saw guys go on the IL for stuff in 2021 that they wouldn't have gone on the IL for in 2019 and 2018. So like, guys going to be out five days, teams like look, we don't have enough players, I have to put you on the IL and get another player
1: here. Yeah. Yeah, that that's what I was going to ask. Because we know we kind of speculated in twenty twenty was the case, but twenty twenty one full season was it the ten day IL compared to the fifteen day making right. like decisions? Like you know what? Like you said, this guy's gonna be out five to seven days. Nah, let's just throw him on the IL. And then yeah. there was I know there was times where you and I would like be laughing sarcastically on Twitter because there'd be a guy day to day for like seven days and they throw him on the IL finally. It's like, goodness
2: gracious. Like, what well, are you guys yeah, doing yeah. here? And some teams, some teams did it more than others. It's actually one of the things on my list is to look at how many teams uh, had players who were hurt, but not on the IL. So like, you know, guys who missed time, but net weren't on the IL. Like, cause I don't think that's a stat you want to lead in you know? Yeah, no. um, sometimes I guess you don't have another body to call up or, you know, but, uh, but yeah. So like, for instance, like with hand injuries, there were 87 in 2021. In 2019, there were there were 41. So um, over doubled, man. Yeah, over double. But the average IL stint time was about the same. So you know, I'm not sure. You know, not exactly sure. I haven't dug into what happened there, but definitely something happened. Um, but I do think a big part of it was probably we saw guys go on the IL that maybe they wouldn't have.
1: Interesting. Yeah. No. It uh, as as you said, fantasy managers. We all we all felt the pain, and that's why like multi position guys became much more popular. That mm-hmm. was the thing yep. because that was. There were weeks where it was tough just to fill the roster. At times, mm-hmm. it was also frustrating at times because they go on the IL Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning yeah. when things were already locked in. But that's out of our control completely. Mm-hmm. That's just teams being teams. But um, you know, we're talking about the COVID issues, and we hope that that gets keeps getting better from year to year as go along. Here, you're fine. Trust me, my dog's gonna do that any minute.
2: <laughs> Say, bear loves to loves yeah. to speak.
1: Yeah. Mine, mine'll do that too, but. um, do you think that um, it seemed like with your curve, maybe COVID, like the like, team started handling it better as the season went on? Like, I think it should be something we knock on wood, shouldn't worry about too much going forward.
2: I mean, I think teams will continue to handle it. You know, we as a as a society can will continue to manage it. I do not think we will see as many COVID uh, IL related uh stint or maybe I think a better way I should say it, I don't think we'll see as many days lost to the COVID IL next year as we did this year. Um and I, I don't think that should be a controversial opinion. I mean we lost best we can tell because they weren't always great about you know you you kind of had to read the tea leaves sometimes on the COVID IL stuff but best you know we could tell we had like 216 uh COVID IL stints averaging about 14 days each. Um Now, obviously there's some in there that are going to be like a couple days for vaccination and some that were a super long time because it took him a long time to get back or the team didn't rush them back. Uh, John Lester is a great example of that. He was on the COVID IL for like three, four weeks like uh, while he was recovering and they just didn't want to rush him back right there at the beginning of the season. Um, But I do think, I think we'll see it's going to get managed down. I, I personally, this is just my, my opinion. i I should have said this at the beginning. I'm not a doctor. I'm a data guy who tracks baseball injuries. I am not, uh, I don't have any medical background, but I think we will see a a pretty sharp decline in injuries next year. I think that um, if you look at non COVID injuries, we had about 900 of those. Um, And I think we will fall back to something between what happened this year and what happened in 2019, 2018. So we had, 800 IL, or 700 IL stands 2019 2018 I think we fall back closer to 800 instead yeah you know, so so up from 2019 2018 but down yeah. from 21 See that's interesting
1: because like yeah when you take the covid out then we're at least closer to 2018 2019 which <laughs> yeah, is yeah still, I mean, still
2: a bump still a bump yeah, but yeah, it's, it's still and 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 I should I, I was kind of ballparking it. it's like 950 so that's yeah. you know I don't want to do it off the top of my head because then the accountants uh, will make fun of me for not being able to math that out. But uh, uh, it's definitely an increase, you know. So oh, yeah, no doubt about uh, that. So hopefully we can get closer to splitting the difference there. That would I'd be, good, you know. that I'd be good with that. Right. I mean, sure. that's, you know. Um, what we know is teams are are, are more cautious. Uh, players are pushing themselves farther. They're pushing themselves harder. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, I think depending on who uh, you listen to, I think there, there are lots of folks who think that, it's less about the way or that players are pushing themselves farther. It's just that baseball is behind in player health management and player um, keeping players safe, uh, not safe, keeping players on the field. Not that I don't think it's dangerous, but keeping players, you know, preventing the injuries that can be prevented and, and mitigating the injuries once they happen. Um, so, but hopefully we can continue to see some advances and we start to see some declines there.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because you look at certain sports, they have like, workout regimes and like actual legit um, like muscle guys that like your one job is to make sure these guys stay healthy where not all some baseball teams are doing it but not all uh, they're, yeah. they're
2: still in the stone age kind of so yeah and it's hard to, to know say. right it's hard it's hard to know but there are you know um as i've gotten more into to reading about injuries I, I think that there is there is a feeling that baseball is still pretty old school and is not really uh been as open to maybe some of the 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 what you might call modern ways of 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 keeping guys healthy and on the field as what you would hope. Yeah, no doubt about it. And,
1: you know, uh, I'm not going to do this on this podcast, but that could start in the minor leagues, folks. We could start with them. Uh, feed, them feed them well and take care of yeah. them and see yeah. what happens. But uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, you said a lot of the injuries were earlier in the year compared to later in the year, which kind of makes sense off the short season. Let's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, any little concern, let's shut it down, see what see what we got here and fix it. Um, overall in the season, did you see more pitchers or hitters uh, hit the I.L. for you? Um, it,
2: yeah, the split was a, you know, I can't remember. Hold on just a second. Let us let me just look at this because I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say the split was actually not too crazy off. Um, but I think what we did see is is maybe pitcher injuries happened at about the same rate, but hitter injuries happened more frequently. So 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 pitchers got hurt pitchers always get hurt they keep getting hurt uh but hitters were the ones that we saw them jump in hamstring strains we saw the jump in um you know those type of injuries eh, it looks like actually by the, by this time the season was over they both were were pretty steady and that they were both you know not one one wasn't the culprit over the other
1: okay and
2: if that makes good.
1: sense that's good to see cuz usually you think at least I think well, I think injuries like all the pitcher, you know, their arm, the shoulder, yeah. something. Mm-hmm. But uh, now with the hamstrings, a couple of years ago, the oblique strains—it was all this like goofy stuff—and yep. um, that'll be interesting to see. And we'll see what the hamstrings going forward because guys hitting home runs, not stealing as much—if we still get those or not—so that'll be a another one to to take out. So hamstrings, hand injuries, and I'm a I, as a Brandon Belt fan that that one stings big time because. He yeah. uh, got knocked out late in the season, but it felt like guys were going in more and quote unquote, couldn't control it as much without the sticky stuff. So that'll be interesting to monitor too.
2: Yeah, I did. And, you know, and, and it's between, you know, the fact of the enforcement of, of, of the substance, the sticky substances mid season, but then also the fact that guys are coming off a season, which it didn't pitch as much. Mm-hmm. So you wonder, you know, it's harder to simulate live at bats than it is just to throw. And you, you know, you had a lot of young guys having to get time. You know, I, I just think there there could have been a lot of factors contributing to it, and I would not expect it to stay that way. That's another. You know, that's something I would expect to kind of come back down.
1: Okay, because that's going to be the interesting one to see. Is I've seen most people like going into last year thinking, okay, we're going to have a lot of pitcher injuries or whatever because of the shortened season, mm-hmm. as you said. And then I've seen a few guys go well. Maybe they're going to have the repercussions next year because they ramped up this year to go to – like I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. None of us are doctors, like you said. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But uh, I am looking forward to seeing where the injuries continue to go. Uh, before we go on to some players that are, are coming back from injuries or in the middle of injuries, were there any other takeaways from the 2021 season that really stood out to you?
2: Um, no, I, I dubbed it the year of the hamstring Um, Just because because it was such a a big, you know, increase to to those injuries. Um, I am curious and I don't have this data. I've just started tracking it this year. We've already had quite a few announcements of players who are dealing with stuff through the season that have had surgery. I think I've got a list of like 10 or 12 guys already. Um, That feels like a little more than usual. Um, you know, we hear all the time about, Hey, this guy was battling something. He's going to get right during the season, but a lot of surgery, core surgeries, a couple sports, hernia surgeries, like, um, some stuff that is a little, I think caught me by surprise. It makes me wonder if, if a lot of, uh, more players than usual, were playing through something and that, that maybe that we can get right this, this, uh, season. And we see some guys who were who playing through stuff actually have bounce backs next year.
1: That'll be really interesting to to track, as you said, because that's one thing that always stinks in a fantasy season is you don't know what a guy's going through—either injury, off the field, whatever—and then you find out about it later, and you're just like, "Oh,"
2: or you don't like, or you're just exhausted from fantasy until you completely check out and don't find it. Like that's the hard part. It's like, you know, fantasy season's over, World Series is over. It's like the last thing I want to read about is is player injury news. Mm -hmm. You know, but sometimes we find some stuff out. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's the little things that actually continue to move the needles su- surprising to many but let's talk about some of these players because Ronald Acuna Jr. like I've I was watching his videos he's working out he's doing these mm-hmm. things and I'm, ge- I'm getting kind of hyped going okay yeah he's young we've seen guys come back early from injuries and do this I know ACL I've got some rain <laughs> for that parade Bubba yeah exactly I know you do that's why we're like usually it's like a year but he came out and said during the World Series he's shooting for May and I was yeah. like, oh, like end of May potentially. Yeah. So, and, and my biggest concern with him in all my conversations was, okay, he'll be back for like four or five months. But the question is, when he returns, does he run? Because mm-hmm. that might be something that slows him down. When you see Acuna and you see this injury, what are you kind of thinking about him going for twenty twenty two?
2: Yeah. Um. So the tough thing with Acuna, I mean, you know, number one, when a player comes out and has a a timeline that is longer than what you were expecting, that should be a flag. Like you should yeah. go. Because I think generally players tend to be more optimistic um, and they're always, whatever the timeline is, they're looking to beat it. Um, And I believe that timeline was based on comments with Alex Bregman, I think was, they were talking or something that came up. So, you know, maybe he'll revise that as the season goes on. Um, I saw, I was reading an article about Royce Lewis and Royce Lewis, uh, he got hurt um, in late February. Uh, He tore his ACL, had surgery like right there at the end of the month, early March. And as of November 1st was not yet sprinting. They were not allowing him to sprint. Now he was, hes taking BP. He was on the field. He's doing a lot of baseball activities, but he was not full speed. And uh, he talked about in the article and hoping to be full go by spring training. Wow. So now if you do that timeline to Over Ronald, right Kugia, <laughs> then uh, I think that you're looking more at May. I think that, you know, um, what's weird about ACLs is it's not a real common baseball injury. Yeah. Um that, that actually shocked me. I, I didn't realize that. I went to try and find some examples of other guys who've been hurt, what their recovery timelines are. And there's not a lot of good examples. There's very few examples of guys his age too. Um, the most recent e- example was uh, Andrew McCutcheon, but he was doing that in his thirties and he was going into, tw- so he hurt in 2019 going into the 2020 season. Uh, he was not going to be ready for this, for the start of the season. Uh, Because of uh, COVID, he actually ended up being able to play the full season. But he was not going to be ready for opening day. And I think his injury was actually a few weeks after Ronald Acuna Jr.'s. So I'm nervous. Um, I think that both Ronald Acuna Jr. and the Braves are going to want to make sure he's all the way back. He's comfortable. He's comfortable in the outfield. Um, He's comfortable at the plate, Um, you know, making aggressive swings. You know, it's not like football or soccer. You don't have as many of these like cut moves and things like that that you worry about. Um, you know, you're not juking players out where you have these sudden um, but you the player needs to have confidence. So I think you should probably set your expectation for May, for yeah. mid mid to late May, and then be pleasantly surprised if he comes back sooner. Yeah, it's uh, kind of once he said it
1: and then I started thinking about it. I'm like, okay, because yeah, like when I think ACL, I think football because all those nine months, getting- right?
0: Right now. Yeah, you, you get a
1: year max, and yeah. like you see these guys even at nine months, they're running, they're cutting, yeah. they're doing this. I'm like, cool, we're good. Acuna's young, he can you know bounce back. Mm-hmm. They got technology, and like I see him doing these medicine ball drills. He's moving side to side. I'm like, cool. And then when he says it, and then I saw your post about Royce, Royce Lewis, and some other things. I'm just like, if Royce is saying that he's hoping, yep. for a like the start of spring training, well, that's like basically a full year, a full yeah. year plus a little bit. So. Yeah. And that's just
2: hoping like that might not even happen. So, yeah, I think I think he's I think he was being trying to be trying not to get his hopes up, if you will, which is fair, Uh, which is fair. You know, I, I would expect him to be a full go for spring training. But I think that is more the timeline. And I think the other thing we run into is we remember the guys who come back sooner. We yeah, remember the Bakhtiari guys the who get back quicker. Right. I mean, like, I'm a Packers fan. You're a Packers fan, Bubba, right? Yes. yes. So, David Bakhtiari, he hurt oh, his yeah. knee in December and, of 2020, and he's still not on the – I mean, he's practicing, but he's not uh, He maybe plays Sunday. Is. So, yeah. I think it's easy for us to remember the guys that come back earlier. It's harder to forget that, you know, it is a curve, right? There's a range yep. of outcomes. Everybody heals differently. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so, let's just hope with Acuna
1: – that he does come back. Maybe the DH will uh, like, they'll bring him back. Yeah, to hit. I, yeah. I think that's possible. That's mm-hmm. possible because yeah. my biggest thing is, is you said a couple things first, they just won a world series. So they're at the yep. peak. Like they, they're not, obviously you want to win every year, but they can mm-hmm. kind of slow things down for a second. Mm-hmm. They paid him to a big deal, like a longer term deal, mm-hmm. not a big deal, longer term deal. Yeah. yeah so, no joke. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's slow down the big part. Yeah. But um, so they want him there. Obviously they don't want to rush him back, re-injure it and kind of have these things. Um, I could see them slow playing, like you said. My biggest concern, and this is pure speculation, so I just want to get your your thoughts because it's literally we're guessing here. When he does come back, do we expect the guy to run like he used to, or is it more like we might want to wait till 2023 for that kind of reunion?
2: You know, I, it's hard to know. Um, you know, again, like I said, because we don't have a ton of examples to fall back on. My guess is if he's targeting a me, you know mid to late May, then he's targeting like I'm going to be back back. Um, otherwise he'd be saying, I'm going to come back, you know, sooner. Um, and so I would, I would, just as my speculation, I don't think you'd look at a guy like, uh, like him, young, talented player and say, Hey, don't go steal any bases. Like, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to, Hey, Hey, Ron, you can uh, you can hit singles, but don't leg out doubles. Don't you know? I mean, like they're just—I just, I just yeah. don't think These going guys are to do that. They're,
1: and they're 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 built differently. You're, they it's can't control themselves. Yeah,
2: yeah like yeah. Bryce
1: Harper talked about it for years. The reason he always got hurt is because he played too hard, and he's trying his best not to play. He mm-hmm. played a full season this past year, but you could tell there's a few, a certain, you know, some plays in the outfield where he kind of took it a little
2: easier because he needs to stay out there, type thing. Mm-hmm. And Acuna's and, so and
1: like, still young, still.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you can expect him to steal quite at the pace he was before, but I also wouldn't expect a huge drop off. That's just my opinion. That's just you know, uh, you know, there may be some doctors who have a, you know better perspective on that, or quite frankly, elite athletes who've recovered from ACLs. Yep. But you know, it's not a UCL injury. You know, sure. it's not like so. So we'll see. But yep. um, I, I'm hopeful. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I'm curious to see
1: how it'll play out because. Uh, in the draft they did at first pitch, Arizona, we were all in the impression, okay, he's going to be back. Things are going to be good. So uh, he went in the first round, I think, like pick six or so. Um, obviously, that's, uh, you look back on that now going, oops, that might not be worth it. But I still think he somehow goes in the first three rounds in the 15 team room because people go, it's only a month, like, or two months, maybe max. I can figure it out. We'll see. That'll be a fun one to track for sure.
2: Yeah. He's definitely been going in the first two rounds in um, best ball. Uh, he's going at pick uh, like 13 ish, 12, 13. That's interesting.
1: That could pay off big. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. This is one that last year everybody was a doctor and could uh, tell you what they needed to do and didn't do. You know, the shoulder injury, popped it out a couple of times. It looked like – I remember literally recording a show the first time I think he popped it out against the Giants, and the swing made me – like, my stomach hurt because it it looked nasty, nasty. He's played through it. He's gotten the job done. Mm -hmm. I'm still nervous of, like, it's going to re pop, Like, it's going to keep happening So what's your thoughts on him, like from an injury perspective, a timeline type deal? Because he's trying to play through it, but it looks it's nasty.
2: I mean, timeline, he'll be ready for spring training. I mean, like, you know, he's not he's uh, to this point elected not to do surgery, which is a a common approach to this. You go in there, you do surgery, you strengthen the structure around uh, the shoulders. You're trying to prevent the subluxation, right, which is it's coming out of socket. So um, those everything in there gets stretched and you do it once, it becomes more likely to happen again. Now, from what I understand, there are some alternatives to surgery. You can try, uh, there's some, you know, you try and strengthen the area and try and without surgery, uh, try and strengthen um, everything and stabilize so that it's not popping in and out. Uh, I don't know enough to know if that's a good idea or not. Uh, you know, I read people on Twitter, uh, some, some medical folks who think it's not, you know, that, that you know, is, is maybe not the best outcome, but I also think it's very important to remember that shoulder surgery is a big deal. And Uh um, I think, you know, I think uh, Cody Bellinger had, had that shoulder surgery last year in the off season, right? He, he did, he had his shoulder issue in the uh, once I think in the regular season. And then again, in the playoffs said, I'm going to have the, the surgery. Now he had a mess of a season, um lots of different things went wrong he was never right but you know i don't think we can pretend like uh surgery is like a magic uh band-aid that'll just fix it uh this isn't um you know so i think it's okay to be nervous i'm nervous uh you know he obviously played i mean you the stats he provided were were more than sufficient for where he was drafted um and he could he could do that again um but you know you you wonder if it gets to a point where maybe it, you know strengthening it without surgery doesn't work, and then he ends up you know having more shoulder issues next year, and then he decides to have surgery. Right? That, that I think that's got to be your fear is that it doesn't work. He has it happen a few more times. The pain becomes an issue, or it happens more frequently, and then he needs surgery. Um, I think it's in the range of outcomes. Yeah, that's my concern. I think the
1: end game, whatever it is, is definitely surgery. So. Is it three years yeah. from now? Is it next year? Right. Like, I think it's yeah. happening eventually. Just when's it going to happen? Mm-hmm. And that's the risk because if you want him, you got to take him in like the top three or four picks. Mm-hmm. And so it's the risk reward factor. Like I think in like overall competitions, phenomenal. Take him, yeah. run sure. with it. In a uh, standalone, it's a little tricky. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's tricky to have that uh, stability. We know Dave McDonald won't draft him unless he oversleeps. So we're good there. <laughs> um, but it's 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 a tricky one because. Like, obviously, I'm not an athlete, a, a superior athlete like, like him, but the you way you look like did, one, Bubba. Yeah. Well, you back in the old brother. school days, before guys actually started working out in baseball, I fit right in. But, um, <laughs> but uh, like, the way you described, like, okay, you can try to rehab it and strengthen it. Well, I popped my knee out playing baseball. And the guy, like softball, actually. Let me clarify that. No, 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 softball.
2: No, fast pitch baseball. Yeah, mama. I got and, you.
1: Um, and the doctor looked at me and said, "Okay, we have two options because you never want to get cut on. That's yeah. the thing is that, they want to avoid that at all costs." So he looks at me and goes, "What do you do for a living?" I tell him, "Like how often do you like do things?" Okay, I tell him, <laughs> and he goes, "Okay, let's just put it this way: we're going to rehab your knee. If it pops out again, <laughs> we'll have surgery." I said, "Well, what's the difference?" He said, "If you were an athlete, we would have cut on you right now. Yeah, <laughs> but you're yeah. not." So. Tatis isn't me is what I'm trying to say. So right. That's why I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, basically, take your risk at your – your. Yeah. Jacob DeGrom, the Mets, uh, they kept trying to bring him back but eventually shut him down, thank goodness. I did not want to see him pitch last year. <laughs> yeah. But um, he's not doing surgery. It's a weird deal. Like we know – the one thing is people need to realize, and I know you do, is every pitcher has a tear in their UCL. That's just what the natural motion of pitching. It's just how bad does the tear get? to become an issue to have surgery. Mm-hmm. That's just how it goes. What are we thinking
2: with DeGrom here? Cause this is a mess right now. Terrified. Terrified. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, there's a couple of things that, that, that I don't like. We're getting a different explanation from DeGrom all the time. Um, and I think he's trying to explain why he's going through this. And I think it's just a, you know, people are asking him about it and he's saying, well, I think it was this. And now I think the latest was, I think that my injury got exacerbated because of one of the, you know like the MRI they did or you know like I think he seems to be at his you know wits in he see him he's obviously very frustrated but but I don't know that we ever have an answer <laughs> like I don't think and I don't like it when guys go into the offseason with an arm injury and we don't get to see them come back right. uh and without some type of resolution with some you know we know that there's something going on with the elbow we know that um you know that is a risky endeavor. I don't like it. I'm nervous. I don't know if I will draft Jacob DeGrom next year. That doesn't mean you shouldn't draft him. Yeah. I just don't know that I will draft him.
1: That's kind of where I am, too. Like, I love Jacob DeGrom. We saw even in his, like, four months he pitched, yep. he still finished the year. I think as SP1 or 2.
2: Like, mm-hmm. the dude was that good. It's just this could happen after his like first start Well, and I would, would feel is, differently. If he's a guy who goes up there and throws 90 miles an hour, you know, yeah. gets, gets away on junk and stuff like that. But he's the guy who pushes his body to the limit. I mean, he's out there. He's like increases at his velocity every year, you know? So just, just from what he's doing, it's not an easy thing he's going out there doing. He is, you know, he's a guy who's just pushing the edge of what, of what we can see pitchers do
1: okay.
2: and, yeah. you know, I worry that maybe he's going to find the edge. Yeah,
1: that's no, a, a, a definite worry. Let's talk about one of his teammates, who well, might not be his teammate going into this year, Noah Syndergaard, who... Yep. He had issues as well. Kind of came back and forth, back and forth, but did throw a little bit towards the end of the season. It got mm-hmm. some people at least optimistic for the upcoming season. Uh,
2: what's your take on him going to twenty twenty two? Definitely a good cautionary tale for Tommy John recovery. When when you go, uh, you know, especially when you're drafting, you're like, well, he had Tommy John this, and he'll be back in, you know, he'll be back by early summer, and he has a six week setback, gets shut down for six weeks, and then pitches like just a little bit in September. Uh, so we just need to be cautious. I think always need to remember that, you know, anybody coming, coming back from injury teams are very cautious. We don't, don't assume that they're going to recover in the timeline, the most optimistic timeline. Um, as far as his performance, you know, it's tough because, you know, Noah Syndergaard's last season was not the Noah Syndergaard that we had seen previously. Um, And, you know, you had to get about a four ERA. He had a bunch of strikeouts. He pitched a bunch of innings. So, you know, from that perspective, you obviously find value in that. But it's been a long time since we've seen Noah Syndergaard be Thor, you know, be uh, what we want him to be. So, you know, I think it's an okay risk to take. Uh, I think, you know, I think you should set your expectation for like 140, 150 innings at the ceiling. I don't think you should expect him to come out and throw 200 innings after not throwing – uh, competitively in this this last couple of years um i think that his price his draft acquisition is is an okay cost right now um at least uh on fan tracks it's like in the one 150 ish um i think is where i saw him that's after severino after justin verlander in those formats i think that's okay like that's fine
1: yeah, you don't have to break the bank for him. That's for yep. sure. So mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit more entertaining, to say the least. Uh, let's stick in New York once again, Carlos Carrasco, a guy that we yeah. thought would come back at last year. It's like, It's a sad story because the mm-hmm. dude's good when he's out there, but it's been yep. so inconsistent right now. Are you just like – this isn't happening for Carlos or is there maybe a chance that we get a good Carlos this year?
2: He had a brutal season. Uh, it reminds me of there's a handful of these guys who just could not get healthy uh, last year. And it seemed to affect them even when they were playing. It just, they didn't seem right. Bellinger, Carrasco, Zach Gallen, like these guys who just seem to stack up injuries. Um, Carlos Carrasco, we found out after this season that he's been pitching through a bone fragment, some, some, some you know, uh, in his elbow. He had surgery to remove that, and it's expected to be back around the start of spring training. I think he's about as risky as he's ever been, but his price is more deflated than it's ever been, uh, or, or I shouldn't say ever. It's more deflated than it was coming into 2021. I think it's fine. I think he's a guy who I'm willing to take a, a risk on, and and when I say where he's going on draft day, and by draft day I mean slow drafts on uh, on uh, fan tracks, you know, he's going like after pick 200. That's so, not bad then. That's not no, bad. No, no. So I mean, there is risk. I don't. I don't think okay. anybody should pretend to think that he's going to come back and throw 200 innings. Book it. Um, but I, I think that's a reasonable risk at, at you know when you're talking about drafting a player that late
1: especially with Carrasco, because assuming he's healthy, and if they—if it was just the bone fragment thing and they got that fixed and all this stuff, he's gonna throw. They're not gonna slow him down like he's yeah. gonna get his hundred fifty plus innings. I would imagine. Mm. I'd be shocked if he didn't, because that's one thing he always did. He was good to eat innings, great innings yeah. a year. So, yeah. and they need that. So, I, I think he's a very intriguing option at that point. And since he's going so late, you know, if it doesn't pan out, it's not the end of the world. We're taking a Jacob Degrom, obviously. Right. Big difference. Big difference. It's not Clayton Kershaw. He missed most of the end of the season because of a forearm injury, which we know what that usually leads to. He's older, so wants to rehab through. We see have a bunch mm-hmm. of older guys. It's like, why get cut on when it's basically the end of the end of the road? Um tough decision with Kershaw going to twenty twenty two, huh?
2: uh yeah awful decision yeah um you know so he has soreness off and on during the season uh, more soreness in the playoffs they shut him down he gets a prp uh, injection um uh, you know manager comes out and says uh, no ligament damage eh, teams love to use phrases to make people feel better that we shouldn't allow us to make people things that things that teams love to say to make no structural damage, no day, like they, they get very specific, especially managers. And it's not all the manager's fault because they're not doctors. And I, but I, I do think sometimes, you know, you generally don't see a PRP injection. If there's not something that they're trying to, you know, you use PRP, um, to help kind of encourage healing, to help promote healing, to, to try and speed recovery. Um, you know, sometimes you might use it for pain, but generally you use it for pain because there's something causing the pain. Mm-hmm. And so to, to say there's no ligament damage, okay, there's something going on in his elbow that's causing the soreness. They're trying to promote healing so that he can recover and come back to pitching next year. That should concern us. You know, That that is, um, you know, I know we like, I think there's kind of a feeling in the, uh, in the fantasy industry that PRP is like guaranteed for Tommy John's the next thing. And I don't think that's true. Um, but I do think that, you know, you don't get a PRP injection unless something's wrong. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm pretty concerned. I, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know what to do with Clayton Kershaw. I mean, the difference between him and Degrom is you don't have to pay a top, you know, for a first or second round pick for Clayton Kershaw. Um, but you're still drafting. Man, I still think he's probably going pretty early. Uh, where did he go in your guys? Do you remember where he went? In uh,
1: I want to say James it was O's? like I want to say top 150 at least.
2: Yeah, like he, he looks went, like. Around yeah. thir- Maybe maybe later. I think he was around 13th or something like that. Okay. So he's going around pick 100, a little after pick 100 yeah. in these drafts. That's too early, I think. Yeah, that's too
1: early. Because the way – what I would compare him to for what we know right now at this point in time, obviously things can change. Obviously he has to get signed by a team to start with. Mm-hmm. But um, this reminds me of the old Masahiro Tanaka towards the end of the times sure. when he didn't want to rehab it. He took the PRPs, did these things. And we saw eventually it just kind of deteriorated. Like, mm-hmm. you could stream him once in a while, but it wasn't dominant anymore. And there was a lot of starts where he's like, I'm leaving early type things. Yeah. And I think that'd be the headache you're going to get with Kershaw this year. Could be wrong. Could be very wrong. But it, yep. it's a, it's not an easy feeling, as you said. Um, a couple more here. Luis Severino. We saw him pitch a little bit out of the bullpen this last year. The Yankees are going to need him this coming season and their rotation because, you know, you got some youngsters that might not be ready for the full road. we got some injuries. You mentioned Tyon before the show, which – who knows when he'll be back. Right. So um, did we like what we saw to Severino that we can kind of run with him in 2022? Uh,
2: No, I, it's not that I didn't like what I saw from him, but as far as run with him, I think as long as you have reasonable expectations, I shouldn't say no, have reasonable expectations. Mm-hmm. You expect 180 innings. You will be disappointed. I feel very confident in that. Um, this is a guy who's thrown a combined 29 innings across the last three seasons. Um, That's not good. You can't expect the guy to come back and just, you know, go back into a full, full workload. So I don't, I don't know how the Yankees are going to approach them. I haven't read if they're going to try and do anything different. If maybe he starts a season out of the bullpen and then works his way into starting rotation, or if they're planning to start him from the get go. Uh, if you expect him to go out and throw six, seven innings, every, you know, every turn in the rotation, I think you're, you're kidding yourself. I don't, I just don't see that happening. This is a guy who's had some shoulder issues, had some arm issues. Um, so I think that he can, I, I don't, you know, I don't think that he can't be good. I just think we need to have reasonable expectations.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Like we talked about before the show. They have options, so they mm-hmm. can kind of you know slow play some guys, get those phantom IL stents. We could we could have stuff like that take place. Yeah. That's definitely possible.
2: Yeah, I think maybe I if I'm when I'm uh, adjust my projections, I'm probably looking at 120, 130 innings.
1: Yeah, no, that would be that would be the
2: ceiling awesome. that I would put on it.
1: Yeah, it doesn't mean he can't.
2: Good. Yeah, it doesn't mean he can he can't eclipse that. But that's probably what I'm ex- expecting, quote unquote. Mm-hmm
1: that makes sense uh lance mccullers we saw him get injured in the divisional series didn't seem the rest of the time hasn't even really been able to throw so the um inflammation or whatever is really preventing him from doing anything mm-hmm. this is terrifying because the guy's always injury riddled we've been kind of we know this stuff's great he seemed like he was putting it together this last year and then the postseason kind of ended that run so yep. what are we thinking on him
2: you know flexor pronator strain uh Good luck if you draft Lance McCullers. Uh, you know, I hope I very much hope that he is healthy because he was so good yep. and he's fun to watch pitch and I, you know, and he seems like a really cool guy. Um, but I think that he's been hurt every season since 2016, and not let's not exaggeration. Every season he has missed more than the minimum on the IL. Like we're talking, you know, at least three to four weeks every season. Some some seasons the full season. Um, and he's hurt. So, you know, I think if you're drafting him before spring training, it's because you're trying to, you know, you're just kind of gambling on him being healthy. And, and maybe that's not a crazy move if, if, if he falls far enough, because he was going pretty early in the, in the couple drafts before he got hurt. There weren't a lot. Of, I mean, you know, take that for what it's worth. It's a couple drafts. Um, but, uh, you know, I think at this point, until you see him pitch again in spring training, you shouldn't feel like he's definitely going to be back at, at, at some point. You know, he may be back at some point, but I think you should feel like it's pretty risky until we at least see him throw. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, Mike Trout, the
1: uh, groin injury just appeared to be the worst groin injury in all of the Calf. Overall. It was a calf. Calf, sorry, calf. Like, yeah, I would have felt better if it was growing.
2: No, you know, I think we, it would have been better if it had been growing. Yeah, this calf, <laughs>
1: this calf injury just kept lingering and, lingering and lingering and lingering and lingering, and he finally didn't play baseball again.
2: Yeah,
1: like I'm terrified for this. I know people still want to go back because it's Mike Trout, but the dude also, we've seen the, the tweets out there that he hasn't played more than, like, what, 140 games in, like, four or five seasons. Yeah. So
2: what are your thoughts on Trout? Well, uh, from one perspective, I'd take 140 games of Mike Trout in the first round. If you if you told me that's what I was getting, I'd take that every year. Um, but I am concerned. Uh, you know, I looked this up during the season, but the guy, the number of guys that have had serious calf strains like this, it's pretty low. Like, and the the list isn't good. Like the the number of guys who've who've had like multi month calf strains, it's guys who have had chronic calf issues. Um, so that worries you. Uh, names that are on the list: Troy Tulowitzki. Josh Donaldson, uh, Lonnie Chisholm is on here. Um, you worry about that. That's not what you want to see. Um, so I'm not, I'm concerned. Uh, you know, not concerned that he won't be back healthy at the beginning of the year because I do expect that. I'm concerned that we could have lingering calf issues um, that maybe you know it's something that has to be managed now. Um, so. I, I don't know what to do with it, guys. I've drafted him already once this year. So, like, I, you know, I, I'm with you in, like, it is hard for me not to because it is Mike frickin' Trout. Yep. Um, but, it, but I won't pretend it didn't make me pretty nervous to do it. Well, the one thing I'll say in best ball formats, and people so hate when you say,
1: well, in best ball formats. <laughs> but, it, but but, but it, it's true because, A, you're going to have someone to replace him at all times unless your roster really gets messed up. Uh, you'll never get the same replacement level, sure. But secondly, in best balls, especially fan tracks, it's a points-based system. So stolen bases aren't as important. Mm-hmm. We're in a roto format. You can't yep. just be punting steals all the time. So that really d- dings you. But in like points-based, where OBP is king, where Mike Trout is an OBP monster, you could legit like put him as like the top four or five player if you know you're going to get 140 <sighs> games. And that's where I think your argument's very, very valid. That that's what you're going to get, and that's pretty freaking awesome. There's still the you mentioned Tulo and, and Donaldson right out the gate. Those guys lingered calf issues forever, it felt like. So I could see that yeah. concern as well.
2: Yeah, that's the concern, right? You just want to you don't you you worry about it becoming a recurring thing. But you know, I I think that I think how uh, they like, babied it and didn't rush him back, I think helps a lot. The hard part about that is I think they wanted him back. I think the issue was it's you know, and I don't know again not being a doctor, this is where it kind of, it does ding, but it seemed like that he was trying to work through some residual, uh, scarring. Um, and it just could not get it to the point where he was pain free doing, you know, full effort baseball activities. Gotcha. Um, so that concerns you, you know, it seems like it may just take some time. Um, again, if I can make a Packers comparison, Aaron Rogers had like two or three years where he had a bunch of calf issues, all stemming from one really bad calf strain. Gotcha. Um, that doesn't mean that Mike Trout will have that, but I think we can see this situation where we have calves can be kind of this you know, reoccurring issue.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, last guy I want to ask you about, I know he wasn't on the outline, so if you don't have a ton on him, totally fine, but we kind of hit, mentioned his name earlier in the center guard talk. Mm-hmm. Justin Verlander. Yeah. We know he's been out with the, you know, the Tommy John and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got signed sign somewhere first, and, you know, if you're Paul Sport, he's going to be a Tiger. That's what mm-hmm. he thinks. Um, but the way I've always looked at Verlander is he's older, going to be a short-term deal wherever he goes and if he's ready to pitch he's going to pitch like they're not going to hold him back so where are you looking at him going into 2022 because even if it's like a month or two into the season once he's playing he's playing is the way i see it so how do you see verlander
2: yeah i'm you know i think verlander is a nice risk to take i think again we have to remember he is not yet pitched for, you know, we've not seen him pitch. Um, Obviously he's rehabbing rehabbing from Tommy John. And I think from his perspective, he's like, it didn't make sense for me to try and, you know, Noah Syndergaard, I think has different incentives than, um, than Justin Verlander, you know, to try and, you know, sneak back in and get a few bullpen innings or something like that. Um, uh, Verlander's injury was, his surgery wasn't until uh, like September, I believe of 2020. Um, So he will be at, You know, by come March, he'll be at you know something like eighteen months, give or take. I think he'll probably come back at the start of the season. Uh, That that would be my expectation. Um, You know, Justin Verlander is another guy, though. Unfortunately, not just the injury. We had some performance concerns because he was, you know, he was had complained about pain and had changed the way he was throwing and was talking through some of that. Now you hope maybe with the Tommy John, he can figure that out and come back you know, something closer to what we saw before he got hurt. But you can't assume after two years, a guy his age is just going to come back and just, it's just going to be there. Uh, but I, I do think he'll pitch. I don't think he's going to get babied. Um, yeah. and, and he's the kind of guy who's a very competitive, you know, exactly. who's, who's long been known for pitching a lot of innings, pitching deep into games. I think you can expect that um, when he does come back. Uh,
1: yeah. We're on the same page then. Cause I took him in round 15 in our draft. And I was very pumped mm-hmm. on that. I was like, I'll take the risk at that point. Let's go. Yeah. A center guard went like four or five rounds earlier than him. So.
2: Yeah, see, and in, 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 in fan tracks, that's been flipped. That okay. center guard's going after Verlander. Verlander's going in like the top 125 picks, 130 picks, something like that.
1: And I think once he signs somewhere and people see him just throw like once or twice, that's going to continue to rise. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. All right, let's talk some best ball here, as injuries are going to be fun to keep breaking down all sure. offseason, so make sure you, you follow Derek on that one, as there will be more and more news and fun stuff there. Well, let's talk some best ball, as um, Derek is one of the better uh, best ball players out there. He plays tons of volume and does very, very good at it. He plays in all formats. If you wanted to get the idea of what formats there are, go listen to some of our old episodes. You can listen yeah. to that. There's fan tracks. There's best ball tens. There's MNFBC now. There's, there's like four or five others. That feel There's more yeah. and more of them coming up, so check all that out. We're just going to have some fun chatting here for a little bit. First off, um, I know
2: you did well last year. How well did you do last year? Yeah, it was, it was a good season. Um, uh, but some of them, I, you know, as, as above I've played a lot of different formats, fan tracks and the BB 10 being the most, the biggest ones I played. I also, last year, the NFBC released a, a $150 12 team best ball format. I dipped my toes into those. Those did not go as well. Uh, it was, uh, it was, a uh, you know, it was better than break even, but not a lot better than break even. I ran up against the buzz saws that were, uh, uh, Casey Cha and Phil so and, you know, it, <laughs> They there did a well. lot of big dogs yes. in those leagues. I yes, like, there were go back
1: to fan tracks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, there were. Um, so those didn't go quite as well as I would like. A lot of caches and no wins. So that's not what that's not what you want to see in that format, but overall, very happy. You know, uh, when I tell people uh, the style of best ball I play, my goal is uh, my baseline goal is to double what I what I play. So if I if I you know, whatever I'm putting into it, and I would say this if you're a person who wants to, um, if you want to go pe- compete in overalls you cannot have this kind of mindset this is not the right mindset to compete in the main event or to compete in some of these other type of formats but if you're the kind of person who says look I have this much money who I that can put into best balls or put into fantasy baseball but I cannot lose it uh, not not like I can't lose it or I won't eat but like if I lose this then I have to go get that money to build my little bankroll up again yeah. somewhere else if you want to kind of like have a re- kind of a, a safer way to approach your bankroll I think you should shoot to double up in your whatever you're investing in a given year. The way I do that is I spread it out across a lot of leagues. Uh, I play primarily in, um, a 10 X format. Uh, so 10 X my entry fee. I think other people have a different approach who maybe focus more on a double up type of, so those are the format where the top five or six teams will double their money. And that's a nice steady way to see number one, if you've got a feel for the, for the, uh, the style and the scoring and kind of test your mettle. I always think that's a good way to start if you're somebody who's new to best ball. So overall I had a great season. It was, you know, more than, more than double what I, what I had in, uh, not quite as good as 2020, but I was very thrilled and, and, you know, going to keep, keep rolling into 2021. If you're very, if you're extremely curious to what look, what that looks like, you can go check out, um, at Jag underscore fantasy. I've actually got my, um, my, results posted for all my public fan tracks leagues and public, um, best ball leagues. You can go check that out. I won't pump, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be here pumping the, you know, being like the guy who's on, uh, you know, who's like on gambling, you know, I don't want to be a a tout if you will, but, uh, but I try and be transparent about, um, performance and stuff like that. So good no, that's season. Why, that's why I like having you back on because, well, for many reasons,
1: but you do keep people updated throughout the year. Like when we start out the year, you said, okay, you're putting this much money here, here, mm-hmm. you, here's my player shares. Then you'd update it every couple months to keep yeah. people like, Hey, here's where we stand. This is how it goes. Yeah. And so that's uh, that's honorable because like, that doesn't always happen in yeah. this, this era. So that is very good stuff. And it also shows that you do know what you're talking about. So that's very good as well. Um, I know you've been started with the fan tracks. So we said at the beginning, you're five mm-hmm. drafts in, um, before we get to that, though, what takeaways from 2021 did you have for the best ball that maybe you will use for 2022 or that will change how you approach 2022?
2: Yeah. So one thing that I really took a stand on in 2021, and I'm not sure that it was the right thing to do, I think it actually burned me, um, was I felt pretty confident that we would see a decline in innings pitch from a lot of pitchers. And so I really focused on what I thought what I saw as safer innings. So I really focused on guys with history uh, who historically pitched deep into games, historically pitched, um, you know, 180 plus seasons Um, guys without that background. I faded. Uh, Now some examples of guys without that background, Kevin Mm Gaussman, Joe Musgrove, (laughs) you Darvish, you know, there was a list of guys who I just had none of. um, And that didn't work out this year. I mean, those guys, like, I, I think if you look at the list of guys who I faded for those reasons, almost all of them were better than than where they were being drafted. Um, so I didn't feel great about that. You know, I, I knew coming into the season that at least a chunk of my results would be based on whether or not that was a a, a valid theory or not. And it wasn't. Uh, thankfully, it didn't, didn't kill me, but it, it definitely hurt. Uh, I'm going to try not to overreact too much to some of the stuff we saw in 2021 um, with the injuries being one example, but also with uh, some performances. Um, So I may be out on some of the guys who had career years in 2021. Um, That's just my my inclination to, you know, I want to see it. I mean, you know, prove it before I, I will uh, you know, I'm I'm looking for uh, guys who are gonna exceed their value, not necessarily guys who are definitely gonna repeat their value, although there's value in that, you know, obviously there's you know, you want some of those guys too. But I'm you know, I doubt I will have a ton of like uh, you know, Kevin Gaussman's uh you know, type guys again. So Kevin's but, gonna gonna burn me two years in a row now, I'm sure. <laughs> but you'll have a lot of Logan Webb, we know that. Well, um, unfortunately, yes. I have been sucked into Logan. Well. Yes. No, I, I, no I,
1: I, I meant that tongue in cheek because I know that yeah. was a guy that we loved last year. Yes. If were if you, yes. me, or Brian Seymour were ever in drafts together, it was like, okay, who's going to pull the pin first? Yes. Who's going to do it? Because I can't always
2: be as objective as I want to be.
1: Yeah, every uh every. Uh, Every league I did well in, I had Logan Webb in. Every (laughs) league I didn't, I did not have Logan Webb It was a good recipe
2: for success. Yeah,
1: like there's obviously other pieces, but there's certain ones when you get Logan Webb in like around 36 or something, whatever it was. Some crazy, maybe it's 25. I don't know. Crazy number though. You got great return. But um, it's true because, you know, guys coming off great years, you have to pay the price now. You're paying for that great year. So that's tough to justify. Like I'm always a guy that don't pay for last year's success unless it's been proven. So I'm, I'm with you on that we got to make a stand because like there's the Corbin Burns of the world where it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. OK, that was pretty good. But he's still a really lot good injuries. last year. Yeah. yeah. And it, but like one of the points that, that Derek made there is when it comes to best ball. And like I said, I'm not going to review everything, but yeah. we said to with trout that OBP is king. So that changes the way you look at some players. Also, when it comes to pitching, it means pitcher king because mm-hmm. that just racks up more points. Um, so that's why guys like Galsman all of a sudden pan out Joe Musgrove. That's why he was mentioning these guys, even when Darvish wasn't good, he still threw six plus innings almost every start. So he's getting your strikeouts and doing other things. And that's where he's kind of talking about um, those things stand out in a big, big way. Mm -hmm. Um, you look at early ADPs and that's why guys like Juan Soto, who is the OBP guru. He, um, he stands out up there, but you also see a bunch of pitchers going early. So I'm not going to just, you know, unpeel the entire yeah. ADP to people. But what are some of the things that stand out to you in a big way? Because like out of the gate, six of the first 12 guys are starting pitchers. Yeah. Um,
2: anything else really coming out to you? That's a big thing. You know, if you're somebody who's like, oh, that seems crazy. This is Fantrax best ball. So they pitching is is more valuable here than probably any other format you will play. Um, and this is different than NFBC best ball. It's different than BB 10s. Um, so it's kind of its own little monster in that regard. What I think has, has but this, I think, is a general uh, something that's just generally kind of I'm struggling to wrap my, my brain around the, the, the hitter landscape has changed some. You know, there's different. There's some new guys at the top. You know, uh, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is back. You know, up in the first round after a monster season. You know, he's up in the top five in most of these drafts. But like the pitching landscape is just completely different. Like, like I am blown mm-hmm. away by the different names I'm seeing in the first, second, third rounds compared to a previous year. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying yeah. it is. it almost feels like in 2020, we kind of just ran ran it back for the 2021 draft season. We, I think a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people, especially at the top of the draft said, look, it's two-month season. We really shouldn't change our opinion that much about these guys at the top. So we're going to keep them pretty much at the top. And we came into 2021 that way. And then twenty now going into 2022, it almost feels like we're like making dramatic shifts to who's in the top uh, first round. So I can't tell if it's my brain that's just struggling to catch up with that or if it is we're actually making, uh, we just have so much more information after basically two months of being information or two years of not having enough information that now we're making these dramatic shifts in the types of players who are, who are here in the top three rounds.
1: I think that's a lot of it. I think um, after that short season, we had so many questions of what to trust. And so it's like, okay, unless something stood out like mm-hmm. a sore thumb, we're going to kind of resort to knowing what we knew before 2020 mm-hmm. thing. But now we had a full season. So it's like, okay, this is what we saw. This is what we, we expect to get going forward. We'll see which is right. but just another stance on the starting pitching, 15 of the first 31 picks are starting yeah. pitchers. Um, and I remember, you know, we talked about it last year on leagues that I know you go starting pitcher heavy most of the time, not all the
2: time, because it depends on what. I've what been doing it less already so far this year. I, I, and I how do you liking that? Early. Uh, we'll see. I don't have enough drafts completely <laughs> filled to know how I like it. I, you know, there are guys that I like. Um, I think in, in years past, I was I was pretty – there was a group of guys in the first round who I felt like, uh, were were the mo- like the top three most valuable players in the league, and if I got any of them, I were thrilled. I just don't think that there is those three guys. Like Garrett Cole, probably is that guy for for me in this specific format. Uh, Corbin Burns, if I felt great about two hundred innings, which you know, maybe I should, that could be an issue on me um, because he obviously pitched plenty of innings this year and was great in the innings he pitched. So even at, at the amount that he pitched, he was really good, but I don't see him as one of those guys personally. I know that smada is going to come through the, the screen at me and just, uh, just get me for that. Um, not that he doesn't belong in the first round. Cause I think he does. I just like, I'm not going to, Make sure that I get him, you know, and so because of that, I'm kind of like, I don't know that I see as in this format specifically as big a difference between the guys going in the first round as the guys going in the second and third rounds. And Um, that that that's a great point, because that's one of the
1: takeaways I had just from the draft and hold that I did the first 23 rounds of that we're going to continue on later. Pitching just felt so deep, like when we mm -hmm. recapped my team, I have my first 23 mm -hmm. rounds, I probably half my picks are starting pitchers like I just kept loading up on starting pitchers which could be a detriment to me. It really could because trying to fill in the rest of my roster could be tough, whereas in, like, certain positions feel like they dry up so insanely fast. I know, like, last year we were focusing on, like, third base and other spots, and third base is dry again this year pretty quick. But there's other positions. You need more outfield depth. You need this. You need that, where I could see the idea because, as you said last year, it was, like, three guys that were for sure top-end pitchers, and then you had a rest. This year it's so intermixed. Like the Zach Wheelers are in in the bunch. You have you know Flaherty dropped, Bieber dropped, but you have Woodruff up here with Burns. You have all these moving parts. You, Gossman's there. Sales back and healthy, yeah. right? Logan Webb's going to get a yep. massive bump. There's so many guys now. Real, that are you know, in the real, realm. Uh, like these guys Castillo, who are just yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: And it's it, it's it's funny because in the grand scheme of things, if everyone was just completely honest and you just put a blindfold on, like crossed out the uh, covered the names up, and you looked at all the stats, you'd be like. I got no problem taking two or three of those guys, but yeah. I can wait on two or three of those guys and live with it. So.
2: Yeah, and it is tough when you're used to so used to like, hey, Jacob Degrom, two hundred innings, book it, you know. And you just yeah. kind of you did that, and you, you know, Max Scherzer, two hundred innings, book it, and you just kind of you know, and you'd say, okay, well, I'm going to take one of those guys, and now I just don't feel as good about saying that. Now, some of that is because there's fewer guys hitting two hundred innings, mm-hmm. but because there's fewer guys hitting two hundred, like I think we're starting to see that kind of the ceilings coming down a little bit. But the floor isn't des- isn't necessarily falling out. So if there's not as many guys throwing 200 innings, but there's a, you know a decent amount of guys throwing 150 innings, and the guys that are at that 150 mark, they actually come up. They kind of come up relatively speaking. Um, so it, it is tough. I do think uh, Fantrax is a single eligibility. Uh, format so that's you know crazy. if you're wherever you played the most that's where you're eligible so you're only eligible at outfield so um you know we're eligible at second base or something like that and outfield and third base are awful like they're awful and some of it is because so many of these outfielders now are being platooned um you know and so you in a format like this where you're gonna you start five outfielders you're gonna want nine to ten on your roster. How many of those guys do you want to be platoon bats? I mean, yeah. At least one or two of them is going to be pretty much guaranteed, if not more. Um, so it, it's not, and then some of the outfielders, you're concerned about injuries. No, that's a, another
1: great point because, you know, some of us are inclined for NFPC or other formats. We get that multi position eligibility even in DCs and best balls, which is great. But yeah, that's one thing I learned early in my fan tracks ones that I kind of adjusted to the more I did last year is you don't get that flexibility as you're drafting, going, I know I can yeah. grab this guy later. And you're like, oh crap, I can't. He's, like, second base now, and I wanted him for third base and outfield. And it's just, like, this is a mess, so it does make you readjusting. That's why I remember a guy like we talked about last year, all of a sudden, like, Rafael Devers takes a huge leap um, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that because you just got this guy you can plug in to play pretty much every day at third base, and that's why these outfielders. um, Soto's already great because of his OBP skills, but, you know, like, Otani's high up here, and he's outfield only. That's interesting. Yeah. But um, the Harpers of the world, the Betts, the Tuckers, like, those guys are going to be huge for best ball this year
2: yep yeah so it's been interesting Uh, you know the 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 early drafts you know some of it is you only have a handful of drafts you can't even really you know calling this adp is really generous um but what will happen is the handful of early drafts will inform the rest of the drafts and the handful of early drafts are going to be heavily dictated by how well the player performed in the most previous season because that's how Fantrax defaults the rankings is before there's ADP, they default it to performance. And then once you start to get some drafts, then they start plugging in the ADP even, and people well, I mean, we draft off of it because we're people, creatures of habit. Uh, and there's not very many projections, you know, the you know, steamers out, but they're still tweaking the the depth chart, you know, uh, where guys, how many innings guys are going to pitch and how many uh, at bats and everything. So it's like, um, you know, everybody's kind of going off a of feel, and so you tend to go by what you see. So we'll be curious to see. And this is something we'll, I'll post updates to kind of comparing month to month where guys are going, if guys are moving up or down. Um, obviously, guys like Charlie Morton's just plummeting, which I don't know if I agree with because I think he's going to be back in plenty of time. Um, yeah. It's a leg leg thing. I'm, I'm okay with the leg thing. And it's not, it's not a super, from my understanding, it's the the type of the way he injured it is not as concerning as some, as some other ways you might injure it. So I think uh, I'm, I'm, I think he'll probably be back. I think he'll be all right. Yeah. I'm with you
1: there. Um, any other takeaways from these early guys? Like I said, it's super early. Like just yeah. looking at the ADP chart that you you sent over, it, like the range in picks is so wide. It's wild, crazy. Like yeah. It's just like it's all over the board because everyone's yeah. just kind of shooting from the hip at this point in time where it'll tighten up as we get going as more news comes out. Some guys will obviously climb because yeah. of the news, but like with Maryville,
2: for example. He's gone as high as 19, as low as 58. Yeah, so yeah, have fun right. with stuff like that. Well, and like, there's a group of pitchers that I'm, and I'm as torn on it, I think, as some other people in the 20s that I think is interesting. There's about a bunch of them that have an ADP in the 20s. It's Robbie Ray, Lucas Giolito, Aaron Nola, Julio Urias, Freddie Peralta, Sandy Alcantara, and Kevin Gaussman. Those guys are all going within about 10 picks of each other in most That's of really. these drafts. That's pretty crazy, and honestly... I don't I, I I feel confident that it won't stay there. I think some of those guys will go up and some of them will go down, but it'll interesting it'll be interesting to see which ones go which ones go which.
1: Well, and yeah, and that's why it, we talked about it with the pitching. It's interesting because if you slide down farther, like another ten to twenty picks later, you have sale, Lynn, Castillo, Montas, Baris, mm-hmm. um, you know, Musgrove, Morton, like Flaherty. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean it's it's yeah. it's wild. It, the pitching is so deep right now, at least yeah. at first glance, obviously so much. Yeah, the change, perception. But, I think we yeah. have a perception of depth with, it's obviously too, that can be dangerous, right? Yeah. I mean, very, very dangerous. That's the perception. Why, right. I think that's where I could, in my other draft, like I could have just easily stopped with three or four and felt confident, but I just kept adding to it. Cause maybe yeah. I was, you know, looking at the wrong thing here and, and with the pitching injuries that happen so frequently, I feel like in a format like this, you don't want to be stuck holding the bag. No, you want to be no. able to run out guys to get those innings pitched, to get those counting stats. At least that's my mindset to <laughs> the best ball format. So it's interesting.
2: But like I said, I've been pushing off pitching more than I have yeah. in previous years. I mean, I'm going into like the 10th round with one or two guys. We're in the before I might have three or four. Um, but part of that's because hitting, we don't know where half these guys are. gonna It feels very uncertain this early in the year where half these guys are going to
1: play. I think there's that. There's the platoon factor you mentioned also. I think it's very big because those early picks, knock on wood, are less platoon eligible, mm-hmm. so that you know these guys, barring an injury, are out there. And I can go and pick up some third, fourth, fifth starters later that I can hopefully get to, Get some middle relievers Or even middle or relievers, something. right? Because yeah. you know they're at least going to do something for you. Yeah, I can go get some like Tanner Houks or, yeah. you know, stuff like that later on and, and pray that it pencils the pieces together one yeah. way or another. So, well, I'm looking forward to seeing how that continues on. Like I said, yeah. I'll, start, I'll start jumping in here and Mid to end of November and get my feet wet. At least I say that now. I'll probably be in one this weekend or something. But um, (laughs) that's that's my goal. I'm trying to stick to that. I know you're on you're in the fifth one right now. What's your end game? How many do you plan on doing by the end of
2: this? It's a great question. I don't typically set it by number of leagues. I have a budget that I go into every year with, and I say this is what I'm I'm looking to play, and I kind of try and estimate where those where that money is going to go. I know I'm going to do this many of this kind of leagues, this many of this kind of league. Last year I ended up around a little over 100, 120, something like that. I may back down the volume a little bit, back up and and increase the uh, entry fee a little bit just to kind of for my own sanity and manage my time. I only play in best ball for the most part. So I have the luxury of, like, I will be busier in the offseason than I will be during the re- during the regular season when it comes to fantasy baseball. So it's kind of – it's a flip-flop schedule compared to most people.
1: Yeah, but that works. Like, I, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I don't hate it. I love playing my season long, but I, I love the best ball formats. They get you used to the player pool. You kind of get an idea where things are going. Obviously, the fan track scoring is different than these other scoring systems, but mm-hmm. you can figure that out in your head more often than not. But I think it really gets you kind of in the groove. And early on, you're not—you don't have to break the bank like the runs—the right. ones I run are like ten bucks just to keep you honest, like a yep. little skin in the game. You can obviously go to much higher ones. There's—they're they're all over the board, but uh, they're definitely a good way to kind of keep things going when you know—you know—everyone's getting COVID or hurt in football, so you don't care anymore. Or you, like, <laughs> it's, it's just—it's—it's it's fun. It's baseball, yeah. so. But all right, Derek, we will wrap
2: it up there. Uh, Go ahead and plug all your good stuff again before we head on out of here. Yeah, you can, um, for, you know, for injury stuff, I'll tweet. I tweet from my main account. That's at Dr. Hoa 3. It's D-R-H-O-A 3. Um, so I, I post injury observations as they come. Uh, I work uh, over at BP. We've got lots of injury tools to help. I think it's great for fantasy baseball uh, folks who want to do research on player history or research on specific injuries. Um, we've got a, gr- a lot of great stuff over there. Subscriptions really cheap. You know, you do it on a monthly basis. It's, it's not a big deal. Um but all that is behind a paywall. So I do want to be upfront about that. Um, as far as, um, you know, best ball content, I do that just for funsies and I'll share it all with y'all um, at JAG underscore fantasy. And I'll, you know, post stuff there that I think is interesting or trends in seeing. Feel free to to follow there. So I kind of try and split the accounts that way. And, and I'll be on, uh, you know, podcast sharing stuff hoping to do some live streams of some drafts this year we did some last year they were a blast um so uh you know i appreciate you having me on bubba i always love chatting this stuff up always
1: yeah and we'll have to talk some more this off season and kind of get some ideas on where trends are going as things yeah. happen and i think we need to do a live stream again that was a blast Oh, those are we, fun i think it was you it was a saturday night i remember that very yeah. clearly it was me you chris from baseball pods mm-hmm. i think mean, curlin jumped in for a while like people started jumping in, weren't even in the draft. Yeah, it was a it blast. Was, yeah, so no, we'll definitely
2: do some more of those. I those yeah. those are too much fun not to do.
1: They're fun because we're just hanging out, you know, yeah. shooting the shooting the stuff. But we also talk a lot of fantasy. Like we break down players, so it's a little yep. bit of both talk about picks. Yeah, so yeah, yep. it's it's, good. it's a really fun fun hang. So we'll look forward to that as well. But everybody, make sure you check out both Twitter accounts at drhoa3 and at jag underscore fantasy. Gets you everything that Derek has to offer, and check out his work over at Baseball Prospectus. But for now episode 413 in the books. Catch you guys later.